What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us. We kick off this brand new series called Thrive. And uh, I just want to give a shout out to those who are watching us in our San Jose campus and for all of you watching on various platforms. Uh, most of you are watching on Sunday. Some of you are watching a little later during the course of the week. But I'm super excited that you're engaging with us in this brand new series. Now, first, let me just say a word. Uh, within the next, uh, on March 1st, we're kicking off what we call our annual PF40. 40 days of prayer and fasting. It is an opportunity for us to create, open up space in our lives to have a unique and powerful transformative encounter with God and to pray that God moves supernaturally in the lives of our loved ones and across the world as we journey towards Easter. You'll hear more about the whole idea of prayer and fasting and, and, uh, and what accompanies that in the weeks to come. But I just want to note that the, the teaching involved in this series over the next several weeks uh, is designed also to help get you ready for that time of prayer and fasting. And even if you say, you know, I'm not sure I'm a person of faith, that will be a season for you to really lean in and ask God to show himself to you in the reality of who he is. Okay, cool. All right. Can everybody shout thrive? I say thrive, you say flourish. Thrive, 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 flourish. Absolutely. I'm going to use those two words interchangeably throughout this series, um, thrive and flourish. Now, the reason why I'm using flourish as a way of talking about uh, thrive is because uh, over the last 15 years or so, there's an entire body of social science work that has developed and been built around this notion of flourishing. It has worked its way into the academy and the basic question that social scientists want you to ask, and the same question that I want you to ask as we work through this series, is simply this. What does it look like to flourish and thrive in your life? Now, interesting enough, according to social scientists, when it comes to flourishing, it's not just about one part of our lives uh, doing well, but it is a variety of sectors of our lives that intersect uh, and that uh, hopefully work together in a very healthy and growing way. Let me suggest seven um, of those different dimensions. One is positive emotions. In order to thrive, to flourish, we, we should seek to have more positive emotions than negative emotions. Engagement, fully connected and uh, engaged and involved uh, in whatever the daily activity that we're in. Relationships, healthy and rich and growing and expanding. People who are flourishing and thriving also have a sense of meaning and purpose. You have a sense of accomplishment. You feel like one is making a difference in the world. And then, of course, there's financial stability. It doesn't mean that you're wealthy or super rich. It just simply means that people who are flourishing and thriving, that their finances are stable and Finally, certainly last but certainly not least, spiritual health. Even social scientists have acknowledged that the spiritual dimension of human existence matters when it comes to us flourishing. Now, with that as the backdrop, I want to just uh, let's engage our passage for today's message. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. One of my favorite verses. The Apostle Paul is teaching here, and he's really closing up an incredible a uh, few chapters of teaching, and yet embedded in this text is some incredible insight to kick this series off. Listen to what he says. 
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than what we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That's the passage. Now, you could summarize that passage at least figuratively this way. Now unto him who is able to make you flourish and thrive in your life. To him who is able to make you flourish and thrive in your life. Now, embedded in this passage, I want to suggest today, is an indispensable factor to your and my thriving. It is what some would call a hidden key lying in plain view. It's an astonishing and powerful gift that God has given to each of us. He leaves no one out when it comes to giving this gift. Rich and poor, old and young, religious and non-religious, educated and uneducated, uh, those who are disabled in body and able-bodied, those who are struggling with mental health challenges and who are healthy both physically and in terms of their mental health. Each and every one of us, no one is missed, has this incredible indispensable, powerful gift. You know what it is? Lean in now. Here it is. Imagination. Can you say imagination? Oh, my gosh. Yes, imagination. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or even imagine, I want to suggest to you that our imagination is an often unnoticed and underrated, yet one of the most incredibly, uh, incredible, powerful gifts that God has given to each of us. It is not simply a gift that is held by the creatives. As a lot of people think when I say the creators among us, I'm talking about singers and writers and composers and artists and dancers and sculptors and builders. No, 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 no. Yes, they certainly have imagination. But my friend, I'm telling you that if you're looking at me right now, if you're listening to me right now, you have that gift too. It's one of God's most powerful gifts that he has dispensed. Now, Let's take a moment to consider how powerful this gift is, the power of imagination. Can you just simply say again, imagination, the power of it? Let's consider it. Now, oftentimes when we think of imagination, we think about it in these terms. You know, one of my favorite songs is, uh, is, comes to us by the Temptations. And the lead vocalist at the Temptation starts with these vocalized words. Listen to what he says. Each day through my window, I watch her as she passes by. I say to myself, you're such a lucky guy. To have a girl like her truly is a dream come true. Out of all the fellas in the world, she belongs to me. And then comes the surprise of the song, but it was just my imagination. <laughs> Running away with me. Oh, if you know it, you could probably say it with me. All right, I'm not going to say no more. I'm not going to say no more. All right, all right. It was just my imagination, he says, running away with me. All right, now all of us, I relate to that because I remember as a youngster coming up all of the times that, that I had that kind of imagination, that person who I was in love with didn't even know I existed. Y'all know that story. Come on now. 
And yet even that's powerful, isn't it? It, 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 it models for us this ability to create this, this, uh, this, this in a sense, make-believe world, this, 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 this have this, in a sense, relationship with someone who doesn't know. Even that reflects the power of imagination. Can you say imagination is powerful? Come on, say it. Imagination is powerful. Let's look at our text again. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Here's what Paul is saying about God. Paul is saying that, that if you really want to access all that God has in order to make your life a thriving life, a flourishing life, here's what God says. God says I mean, here's what Paul says. You've got to stretch your imagination. You've got to expand your imagination. And when you've stretched it and expanded it as far as you can, then step out on the edge of that expanded imagination. And God, who we know in Jesus, is able to do that. Come on now. And even immeasurably more than that, far and above, infinitely more than that. But it begins with your and my imagination. Here's how I like to talk about it this way. That imagination is the gateway to the incredible. Imagination is the gateway, it's the access that God has created for us into the incredible, into a life that flourishes, into a life that thrives in every dimension. As a matter of fact, imagination is the key that unlocks every one of those seven different dimensions of life that I talked to you about at the very beginning of this message. Can somebody shout imagination? So, my friends, it is powerful. Let me talk to you about some of the ways in which imagination, what makes it so powerful. Number one, part of what makes imagination so powerful is that it is uh, one of the ways in which we reflect the image of God. And the scripture says that we are made in the image of God and that image is reflected uniquely in our ability to imagine. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews 11.3 says. He says this. He says, by faith we understand, this is the faith statement of the believer, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. In other words, what the writer is saying to us is that everything in the universe, come on now, the planets and the stars and the sun, the moon, the planet Earth, everything that, that we see from a physical standpoint here on Earth, uh, the, the snow-capped mountains, the, rocket, the snow-capped mountains, the, the, the glistening, gleam valleys, the beautiful blooming flowers, the, the, the sea life, the fish and all of its diversity in the sea, the birds around us, the air and the atmosphere, all of it was first conceived. It all first existed in God's mind, in his imagination, the unseen, before it became visible. And it is uniquely the same way about that which is quote-unquote human-made, isn't it? Everything that we see, the, the building that you're sitting, that you're in, the, the seat that you're sitting in, the clothes that you wear, 
uh, uh, the glasses that, that I have, every expression of technology from the watch to your cell phone, come on, every form of travel from the car, the bus, the airplane, you name it, bicycle, everything that we see that humankind made first existed within somebody's imagination. It is the imagination where we uniquely mirror God. Can somebody say powerful? Yes, it's powerful. You know, the a young man went home. He was studying uh, philosophy, and, and he went home to talk to his grandmother about what he was learning. And he, was, he said to his grandmother, he says, listen, we are learning about, uh, you know, how humanity takes the raw resources of the earth, and he named different examples, and we transformed them into all these different products, and he had some big philosophical words to explain and to describe, all in trying to tell Grandma what he was learning. And when he finished, Grandma just looked at him. She said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I understand. And she said, here's what you're saying. She's saying, God, she said, God made stuff and people made stuff up. <laughs> the unique ways that is in fact true. Yet, everything that we have comes from that which God has given us, even our imagination. Come on now. And yet, God has equipped us and released us to make from imagination some pretty amazing stuff. Shout powerful. Another way that imagination is powerful for us is that it can be, watch this, the laboratory of evil. Notice what Genesis 6, 5 says, and we are experiencing this all around us, right? So the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. This is prior to the, to the flood. And he saw that everything, can you say everything? Everything that they thought or, here's the word right here, imagined was consistently and totally evil. The human mind, your mind, my mind, can conjure up some horrendous things, some evil things, from the Holocaust to, to the slave trade to the most recent mass shootings after mass shootings after mass shootings, the, the, these people who are perpetrating these horrible acts in El Paso and the Michigan, Michigan University, State University, for example, most recently horrible. It is, this starts in somebody's imagination, nurturing some, some, some bitterness, playing out in their mind how they're going to actually do it, and then they go and execute it. We're partnering as... Uh, you may or may not know we're partnering with two organizations to, to, to make a difference in Turkey and Syria. One of the organizations is founded by one of our members and partners of NBCC, Dr. Enoch Choi. It's called the Jordan uh, International Aid. He's the medical director. And while they are working in partnership with a network of churches providing direct aid to the people who are in need, one of the things that they're fighting is that they're they are looking to expose uh, folk who are coming in masquerading as medical uh, relief workers uh, so that they can steal and kidnap kids and move them into sex trafficking. Can somebody say evil? Can you say wicked? That is the depths of the human imagination. It is powerful. 
and it can be powerful in the worst kind of way. Thirdly, imagination is powerful in that it can trap us in past pains and present fears. We know about this. We know about uh, horrible things that have happened to us in our past that leave us with trauma, leaves us with fear, leave us even with addictions in our lives. Number four, it's powerful because from time to time, imagination can make us vulnerable to being manipulated. As a matter of fact, if you're watching the Super Bowl this uh, past weekend, you saw all those fabulous different uh, advertisements, some of them funny, et cetera, et cetera. But most of them targeted one thing, your imagination. Just about every marketing campaign targets your and my imagination, my friends. My goodness. Uh, uh, they, they want you to imagine yourself enjoying that vacation in a luxury hotel that they're advertising. They want you to see you sitting with your partner uh, at a Citibank loan office desk signing that loan. They, they want you to see yourself driving a Mercedes 500 SLK and maybe you got it through CarMax. Come on now. <laughs> they want you to see yourself to, to, to experience yourself. <laughs> a few weeks ago, I went to uh, do some shopping. My wife was with me, and I got ready to buy a suit, and I put on the suit, and I walked out. My wife was there, and she saw me. She said, wow. When she said, wow, I told the guy, I'm buying it. <laughs> <laughs> wrap it up, wrap it up, wrap it up. Isn't that the deal, right, right? The advertiser wants us to imagine ourselves in a multitude of scenarios, shoes and whatever, cars and house with a pretty girl, so that we can say, I'm buying it. He wants to see it, smell it. Not careful. Our imagination can make us prone to being manipulated. But number five, Social scientists would argue, and we will all know this to be true, imagination is powerful because it can release astonishing capacity to heal, to innovate, to survive, and thrive. So many of you listening to me, you have survived and you are thriving and flourishing now because of the gift of your imagination. As a matter of fact, social scientists have discovered that when it comes to our traumas and our fears, let's say that you're afraid of hairy spiders, for example, uh, they've discovered that when you imagine the hairy spider, that your, the physiology of your brain functions, even if there's no spider, just imagining it, it functions the same way as if you were looking at a real spider. So now they have a conceptual approach that they can put you in a safe space where there is no spider, and they get you to imagine that spider. You go through all of the physiological uh, dynamics that your brain goes through, but if they repeat it and repeat it and repeat it, uh, the argument is that they can retrain the brain and relieve you from that fear and perhaps from some of the traumas in our lives. Can you say imagination is powerful? It's powerful. It's a wonderful thing. So first, that's the power of imagination. Now I'm going to spend the rest of this time looking at how God designed imagination. He designed imagination for what I want to call the I-Thou partnership. You can see it in the text. Listen to what Paul says. Now to him, God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. How is he going to do it? Is he going to do it by himself? No. He says, 
according to his God's power that is at work. Where? Within us. There it is. The partnership. That God gave us imagination, first and foremost, to facilitate an incredible partnership before, between God and us. I say it like this. Imagination, if you will, can activate, can activate our faith and deepen our relationship with God. That's part of the gift of imagination. Now, let's just think about this first on the individual level. And the first question that you should wrestle with today is, so, okay, if the imagination is so powerful, how do I go about cultivating it, making it stronger, stretching it, expanding it, whether I'm religious or not? How do I, how do I, how do I take better advantage of the imagination, build that imagination muscle? So let me give you just a couple of simple suggestions that social scientists suggest. Number one, they suggest that we, 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 we learn how to uh, take what is called an imagination break. Just before new situations like a meeting or a presentation or an interview with your boss, they suggest that you take a moment to visualize what would happen if everything worked out brilliantly. Or they suggest that before you, before you get started with your day, you take a few moments and you pause and you just imagine, you visualize, if this day was to go perfectly, if it was to go well, what would that look like? And you just walk that through using the power of your imagination. It says that begins to grow and strengthen your imagination. And secondly, social scientists suggest, check this out, check this out, lean in on this one. Come on, this has lots of implications. We think about our 40-day journey towards Easter. Less TV and less social media and more reading books, preferably fiction. You see, when we watch TV and social media, it's all laid out for us. It dulls our imagination. We don't have to work the imagination muscle at all. But when you read a book, particularly a fiction story, you have to begin to imagine the characters, the environment, the context, and it works that imagination muscle. They also suggest that you can take walks. They suggest that prayer and meditation strengthens that imagination muscle. And ultimately, I'm going to add to this, engaging in Scripture. Now, I've just walked you right into where I want to be. I'm going to spend the last few moments talking about uh, how Scripture, come on now, is designed to cultivate our imagination so that we can deepen our relationship with God and expand our faith. There's a fascinating story in Genesis chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. and It's about Abraham's encounter with God. In chapter 18, he's already had an encounter with, in chapter 17, he's already had an encounter with God where God has uh, kind of spoken into his spirit, if you will, and said to him that a year from now, you're going to have a son. Abraham was 99 at the time. His wife was 90 years old at the time. Uh, and this miraculous thing is going to happen. And now here in chapter 18, notice how the passage begins. It starts off by saying, the Lord appeared. Notice that. The Lord appeared. Say it with me. The Lord appeared. Again to Abraham, near the oak grove, belonging to Mari. And Abraham looked up and noticed, here it is, three men standing nearby. Stop. It begins by saying, the Lord appears. But, and when Abraham looks, he sees three men. Here's the suggestion. That God shows up. We're not completely clear 
in the text, but we know that he either shows up as three men or he shows up as one of the three men. We find, we find, we find a, 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 a unique image, if you will, of God right there. Oh, that gives us uh, the first point that I want to suggest here as, as Jesus follows when it comes to cultivating our imagination. One of the things that's key is that we learn how to expand our images of God. Cultivating imagination means expanding my images of God. The Bible is rich with a diversity of images for God. And for some of us, the reason that we're not drawing close to God is because we have a broken image of God or we have an image of God that relates to perhaps we compare it to a, a, a parent that was brutal and violent or some caricature of God that is, that is a brutal and violent character. And so that, that, that we want to be close, but the image that we have of God Keeps God at a distance. Let me just walk you through very quickly some of the rich and multitude images that, that the Bible gives us for God. Different ways to cultivate our imagination as we engage with God. Genesis 1-2, God is found there as the wind that hovers over creation. In Exodus 3-2, God is the fire in Moses' burning bush. In Exodus 15, 3, uh, the, the writer says that the Lord is a warrior who fights for me, and Yahweh is his name. 2 Samuel 22, 2, David declares that the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. Three different images for God. Psalms 23, David declares the Lord is my shepherd. Psalms 27, the psalmist declared the Lord is my light. And my salvation. Psalms 103.13, the image for God there is that the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate. Isaiah 66.13, the image for God here in God's own voice. He says, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. Isaiah chapter 9, the image for God is declared. He's a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. In Ezekiel, God is the breath that causes dry bones to stand up and come to life again. Oh, but I like John 1 chapter 14. It declares that that God who we see, come on now, as shepherd and wind and rock and fire uh, and as, as mother and as father, as everlasting father and prince of peace, that God is the word that became flesh and dwelled among us. Emmanuel talks about Jesus this way. Come on now, that he is Emmanuel. Matthew talks about Jesus this way. He's Emmanuel, God with us. Mark says he's the suffering servant. Luke says that he's the great physician. Hebrew says that he's the great high priest who can empathize with our weakness. But I like how he's talked about in the Gospel of John, the light that shines in darkness, the living water that will quench your thirst, the good shepherd, the way, the truth, and the life, the friend who lays down his his life for another, the lamb that takes away the sins of the world, the line of Judah, Alpha and Omega in Revelation, the one who stands at the door and knocks. And if I just have to talk to you a little bit, I just call him every now and then Mary's baby. Sometimes I call him, come on, my company keeper when I'm lonely. Sometimes I declare like the old preachers used to call, he's a rock in a weary land. Oh, I'm sorry. You get the point, don't you? 
the rich diversity of images for God can help us to move more intimately and deeply towards God. I hope we actively engage those images during our 40-day journey towards Easter. And so this passage teaches us to cultivate our imagery for God. Secondly, if you want to cultivate your imagination here so that you can be in better partnership with God, uh, cultivate your imagination by locating God in your experience. What's remarkable right here is that God shows up in Abraham and Sarah's experience. He shows up on location, if you will. As a matter of fact, that's what's fascinating again and again about the biblical text, that God just keeps showing up in the human experience. And ultimately, the incarnation is about God showing up, come on now, in the neighborhood. Your address, my address, in our experience. So you've got to cultivate that. Notice what the text says. I like this. It says, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the visitor says, where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors ask. This is God speaking here, depicted as the visitors. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I'll return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Wow. Now, the next verse goes on. It says that Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. And then it gives us the commentary that is so incredibly important. And as I read this commentary, I want you to remember, watch this, that it is Paul who reminds us that God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or even imagine. Watch this. According to his power, the partnership that is at work within us. It begins with imagination. Here's, here's, here's the commentary. It says, Sarah was listening to this conversation from from the tent, Abraham and Sarah, here's the commentary, were both very old by this time. Sarah was 90. Abraham was uh, 99. Uh, and they were past the age of having children. So she laughed. By the way, in the previous chapter, when Abraham first heard the news, he bowed down and he laughed too. <laughs> like This is some of the most hilarious stuff I've ever heard. She laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? My goodness, Lord, have mercy. Oh, I wonder, can you get this, get this text? First of all, when she says that, God hears her. When she says it, God hears her. And he says to her, why did you laugh? Uh, here's an insight I want you to write down. You see, we all have self-talk. See, Sarah was talking to herself. She, she, she didn't think anybody heard her, but, but when she spoke to herself, the text says, God heard her, and he spoke back to her. So one of the ways to cultivate our imagination is simply to shift our self-talk to God-talk. You see, God is already in this way. Listen, sometimes my wife will scream in the room, she'll say, Herman, baby, who you talking to? I'm talking out loud. Who you talking to? I, I, I said, I don't know. Nobody. She said, oh, I hear you talking to somebody. I said, oh, girl, listen, 
I'm in dialogue with God. Come on now. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and you interrupting our conference. <laughs> you don't have to talk out loud. Come on now. But you need to recognize, come on, since you're going to talk to yourself anyway in your mind, since you're going to talk to yourself out loud anyway, shift that self-talk to God talk. Come on. He's right there. You don't have to call him. He doesn't have to show up. Uh, you are always in the inescapable presence of God. Shift from self-talk to God talk. And then there are three things that we see in this text that is profound. I love it. Come on. It says, then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Come on. She said, she says, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord. I want to give you three insights. What God did in that moment was he activated Sarah and Abraham's imagination. This was not going to be a, 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 a child born of immaculate conception. If they didn't do what people need to do in order to conceive a child, the child would have never been conceived. So what God was doing, showing up a year early, he was, he was saying, I need you to see it. Come on now. I need you to stretch your imagination and stand on the tiptoe edge. Come on now, because I'm prepared to do something even greater than that. But I need you to, to see it, to imagine it. And I can hear Sarah saying, come on. She said, come, come on, come on, come on. Make your way on over here. Uh, 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 God is saying that we need to, we need to see it. And then you need to move from seeing it, come on now, to acting on it. It would be a year, so they would have to do what husband and wives do in order to conceive a child, not just once, not just twice, but they would have to see it, and then they would have to act on it. Y'all ain't listening to me. Come on, see it, and then act on it, and then when the year materialized, come on, when they had done their part, there's the partnership, then God steps in and does his part, and what they saw and acted on was realized, and we see the text he did immeasurably more than they could ask or even imagine according to his power at work within them. Wow. That's your story, guys. Come on, hear God tell you. Come on, you can, you can, you can go from a, from a D student to an A student, but you've got to first see it. Here God says that you, you can move from being a follower to a, an executive, but you've got to first see it. And you, you, you can lose that 30 pounds that you've been working on, and you can keep it off, but you've got to first see it. And then as you see it, then you've got to act and move towards it. Come on now. And trust that when you've done what you need to do, that God does what God does. Oh, y'all ain't listening. And it all begins with the power of your and my imagination. Can somebody simply say with me, imagine. Amen. And God bless you.